Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Welcome to the Woody Die Podcast, the podcast where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. My guest today is one of my best friends. Really? Yeah, that's it. I don't know how else to describe you. No. Yeah, there really is no other way to describe me. Oh, we did marching band together. We did marching band. I'm not a filmmaker, so I'm not really qualified to be here, apart well, from that. Except it's my house. Yeah! So. We, I'm qualified in that I'm sponsoring this whole thing with my table. And our guest slash sponsor for this episode <laughs> is Mr. Doug Lemelin. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Happy <laughs> to be here. This is a... In my house. Yeah, you didn't have to go far, did you? No, I did not. <laughs> if you notice a difference in quality in, this, in the audio, that's putting it nicely. I'm not doing my normal Zoom setup we are at doug's house we're hanging out uh on the fourth of july weekend and we had a fucking hard time <laughs> with the setup and this is the best we can do <laughs> so we have yeah, we're recording this over the weekend by the time this comes out it would be after the fourth of july but we're recording this before the fourth of july and when it comes to horror there's only one horror movie you can talk about. Oh, you want me to say it? Oh, you don't have to. It, Chapter 2. I guess that's a little... For, that's a 4th of July like carnival, right? I think you're right. <laughs> There's another one that I'm thinking of that's 4th of July based. Well, Stranger Things Season 3 has that whole 4th of July. That is 4th of July, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, the uh, Purge movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that one. Oh, you, okay. You don't want to talk about Jaws anymore. You want to talk about Purge, uh, <laughs> Purge uh, election year? No, no. I want to talk about the one that's got the really bad name. What's it called? The the newest one. Oh, uh, the first Purge? No, Forever Purge. Is that the newest one? It's called the Forever Purge. There's a and, lot of purges, and man. And you know it because when you're watching the commercial, the guy's running around and says, "This is the best Purge, the Forever Purge." Yeah. Forever Purge. <laughs> in theaters this Friday. No, Jaws. We're here to talk yeah. about Jaws. Yeah. It's going to be a little of the more unhinged podcasts, but that's what happens when you have a weekly podcast. You have to improvise sometimes, I'm, I'm and that's here what to, we're doing. To, I'm here to fuck with your format, because Bro. I've never done a podcast before, so whatever you want to do, I'm going to try to do the exact opposite. Bro. And make this as difficult of an editing job for you as possible. My my format has been fucked from the beginning. I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's just fun to talk about horror movies and you are a big you're qualified to be on this show. You you love movies and that's what we're here. We're just talking about movies. We're currently outside if you can't hear. This is the jankiest setup I've attempted yet. So we are really flying by the seat of our pants on this one. It'll be fine. I'm happy. I have my beer. I have a cigar. Cheers. Cheers. That is going to really hurt their ears. I, I'm, I can that, edit this. That was really I close. Can, no, no, no. I can lower. No, don't edit it. Don't edit it? Don't edit it. This is, yeah, this is going to be intense. America, like you're welcome. We're setting the precedent right now. <laughs> it can only go up from you here. You are all fucked. Ah... <laughs> uh. But before we get into Jaws, you are a pretty big horror fan. That's probably a good way to describe it. It's pretty big. What is like your first what is the first experience with a horror movie you can remember? <laughs> it's honestly Jaws. I, I would think. Well, <laughs> Jaws that, that's the first one that comes to mind. I think that's mm -hmm. the first It's probably the first movie I watched that scared me. I watched a lot of the old Universal Monsters classic movies as a kid. Um, that's not going to scare me, but I think Jaws was probably the first thing I watched that did truly scare me. My introduction to jump scares, I guess. I know when I 
when we watched Quint dying at the end, I was told to cover my eyes. So <laughs> even then, it wasn't a full it wasn't a full viewing of Jaws. But that was definitely my first experience with horror, right? And we we can talk about whether or not people would bucket that movie into horror. I Don't would. get me started, man. I would. <laughs> I would. But I would like to get you started because I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. But I will it, rant for days because. There are a few things that make me angry. That's not true at all. Okay, there are a lot of things that make me angry, okay. but on the top of that list yeah. is people who say, well, Jaws isn't really horror, it's more of a thriller. Fuck that. Jaws oh. is a horror movie. Yeah. And it to is. be fair, to be fair, what is a thriller movie? Thriller is loosely defined, and Michael Jackson did us no favors by making a song about horror movies and calling it Thriller. Yeah, he set <laughs> us back a few years. <laughs> I don't know, and I, I try not to get too hung up on the, the labeling of genres. I feel like that's just kind of a waste of time. You could be spending more time talking about how awesome of a movie it is. True. Rather than labeling it one thing or another, but I don't know. I just... I think part of the reason is there is a clear disrespect from a lot of cinema goers and film lovers to the horror genre. So horror fans get really defensive when you take one of the best horror titles and then say it's not horror. Because, like, come yeah. on, that's one of our good ones. <laughs> i trying to think if there's anything else like that. I could think of a few. That kind of toe that line, at least amongst people in public opinion what, what would you think well the big one is silence of the lambs sure yeah because that's a horror movie it is a thriller too like that mm -hmm. is one which is both so i'm not saying anyone who calls it a thriller you're not wrong hmm. i only think you're wrong if you say it's not a horror it's a thriller where mm -hmm. it's like it's both really because it is that crime thriller but Hannibal Lecter's a slasher villain. Like, Hannibal Lecter's fucking scary. <laughs> but yeah. the reason people don't want to call it a horror movie is because it won all the Oscars. More recently, people don't want to call Get Out a horror movie because it won a lot of Oscars. It was in the best picture. It, best, a best picture contender. And it's like, no, it's a horror. It's a lot of things. It is just, but it's a horror movie. Yeah, whether a movie's making you jump or think about something that scares you you know that that could easily just be bucketed into the horror genre i think where the argument comes from is a lot of people will tend to dismiss movies as not being horror when they should be classified as horror mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't want to admit they like horror movies i'd rather have the people who are like i don't like horror movies but i like scream because it's like okay at least you're acknowledging the genre yeah and you can admit you like an exception here or there. I'd rather that. I don't like horror movies, but I like Jaws. I Yeah. I, I just like movies in general. <laughs> I could talk all day about what belongs to what genre or other, but it doesn't change my opinion of Jaws at all. And nor, nor should do. it, really. No. Because it is, it is your favorite movie, right? It is. Yeah. It, it is absolutely my, my favorite movie. I, I didn't think I had a favorite movie for a while but I guess you judge favorite movie based on... I heard somebody say remote drop movie once. If, if it's a movie where it comes on TV and you just drop the remote and you keep watching it, regardless of how many times you've seen it or what time of day it is, that's, to me, it simply defines a person's favorite movie should be. And that, for me, that's that movie. Has been for, for ages. My only problem with that definition is that would cause Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull... <laughs> top into some of my favorite well, I will watch that movie. I'm not saying it's good. You have a lot of remote <laughs> drop movies. You're you're different in that breed. But we, we like movies. Yes. Um, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad we've established that. This, <laughs> this far into it, we've established that we like movies. I think Jaws is one of those movies where it really changed <clears throat> cinema forever. It did. It did. And I mean, it, and it's also... It's timeless for a number of reasons. There's so many things about that movie that are iconic, but one thing people don't take into account that often, because <laughs> it's not just the the reason why you can turn that movie on today and enjoy it, 
despite the fact that it's this giant, ridiculous-looking <laughs> shark or whatever. It's not just the music or the flair or anything. It's the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch that movie from beginning to end, and the first sixty percent of it—they're not on the boat. It's they're just kind of running around, and it's squabbling amongst Brody and the mayor and the townspeople and things like that. But Spielberg is just a master with dialogue in particular the background dialogue right like the the pantomiming in the background just the random shit that people are saying and it happens right from the beginning the first time you see brody and he's with he's with his wife and then the kid comes in he's like "Ah, i'm a vampire he's got the bleeding hand and then he gets a phone call and in the background the the mom and the kid are just having a full-ass conversation about like can he go swimming you know it's like you could pay attention to both conversations even though you're not supposed to and it just feels authentic the entire time and it's during an era in 60s and 70s where i don't know there's some annoying dialogue <laughs> in the 70s i think it was before they had really really kind of gotten the hang of it nowadays authentic background dialogue and things like that that's easier to come by because it's been done right and i think jaws was one of the first movies to nail that Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And it's something that Spielberg has been like cuz Jaws is his second like theatrical release film yeah. after the Sugarland Express, but mm-hmm. he also did Duel, which Duel is fantastic. Yeah. But Jaws is very early in his career, and a lot of what's in Jaws is he kind of keeps doing it. Like that scene you were brilliantly describing, just family life, but you can hear everything so clearly. Yeah. He does the same thing in Jurassic Park when he's doing... Um, when Muldoon is telling Grant about the raptors and Hammond's like talking to the other scientists and people about whatever. But and there's two velociraptors in the background going, can I go swimming? <laughs> uh, yeah, they want to swim with Jaws. They want yeah. to swim with uh, Bruce the shark. But, um... <laughs> Mom, I'm a vampire. <laughs> I love the kids in that movie because they're they're adequately stupid. Like, I hate, I hate, I hate kids in all horror movies because they all... They always screw shit up, and you know they're half the you know they cause half the problems in the movies because they scream or they hide in dumb places or whatever. But I don't know. And kid actors again, back to the '60s and '70s. That was before anybody like gave a shit whether or not the kids were good actors. They would just kind of take any kid off the street and throw him in. <laughs> the guy who plays Michael, the oldest son, yeah, the, the one in the pond. If you look up his IMDb page, that's the only movie he ever did. I'm trying to think of the younger kid's name. George, maybe. Okay. It might be George. Because I can think of uh, Lorraine Gary just like, Michael! Yeah. Like, that's in... Michael! <laughs> yeah. But, like, that kid looks so... Like, he's not the best actor, whatever. He's a kid, but it looks... He looks so terrified in the scene where they're in the pond. Yeah. And the shark attacks them and then eats that guy. And Spielberg does one of his, like, post-Hitchcock shots. Yeah. yeah. With the camera swooping over yeah. it. And he looks... He does such a good job yeah. looking shocked and terrified. Because I have a feeling that he actually was. There's no <laughs> way that kid actually knew how to act. They just threw him in the water and then they put this giant shark swimming by him. And he was probably actually scared. But, but how do you know the shark was working then? That's true. I have, no, <laughs> I, I have no idea. But I think that shark caused so many problems that it would scare people even for the wrong reasons. Just being Fair. being near it. Because it is a giant... Working or not, it's a giant piece of machinery that could kill you. <laughs> I, I do gauge a horror film sometimes just on how much the kids annoy the fuck out of me. But in this movie, they don't because they just... They seem like genuine, annoying, stupid kids. <laughs> You're really gonna win the audience over on this one, Doug. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm harping on it. Because, <laughs> well, the the kid, uh, the younger brother, like after, after Michael gets traumatized and they bring him on shore, they cut to the brother who's just sitting in the sand and he's crying. Well, yeah, because people stepped on his sandcastle. Yeah, I think they literally said like, "Okay, build a sandcastle." And then Spielberg just came up and just kicked it and said, action. He's like, Well, good directors do it themselves. (laughs) And Spielberg is the best. 
Yeah, well, he does it in Jaws, right? Because he yeah. does he does the tugging at the beginning, or he does like the first tug. I think yeah, I think that's right. He's yeah. he's one of the people pulling. Is it Christy? Christine? Yeah, yeah Christy. Um, at the beginning. It's amazing because Spielberg. I'm sure everyone listening to this probably knows, but if you're joining us for the first time, Spielberg's by far my favorite filmmaker. And it's funny because I just finished my whole Jurassic Park theme month and I go into Jaws, which is like... <laughs> it has got plenty of material, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with it. Talk about that guy's work for forever. To this day, he still says how Jaws is the hardest movie he's ever done. And you hear all the stories and stuff like that on, on set and it, it makes sense. And they have yeah. this incredible, ridiculous time crunch to get this movie done and the type of effects they were trying to do were practically impossible when Richard Dreyfus was offered the role he turned it down initially because he just thought the movie was going to be too hard to make and then he ended up saying yes but and he, he was still he was, right he was right I mean it was one of those movies where it's like this movie is going to be a bitch to make and it it was but what fascinates me is they talk so much about that but they never talk about everything that happens before the boat, which is technically the majority of the movie. <laughs> yeah. The majority of the movie is this brilliant showcase of character development with introducing Brody and really giving us an idea of the type of person this guy is without giving us an ounce of backstory, you know, as to where he comes from. I, like, I never read the book, so, I mean, yeah. pe- people might know a little bit more, but have you read the book? Mm-mm. I never. No, I have not. I don't think I ever want to read the book. To me, it just seems like it would taint my uh, my appreciation of the movie that I love and the story that I love. Because I know they made well, a, I mean, a lot Dogs of changes. Revenge to it. didn't taint your appreciation. I don't think the book will. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I think Spielberg would do things with this movie that aren't quite realistic. Yeah. And certainly were not in the book. Like, did it solely because he was trying to get a reaction out of an audience, and a film audience. He was really thinking about what people would be entertained by as opposed to what's real, right? And, and what would work in a book. Yeah. Because a book can afford to be far slower. Yeah, and there's a lot of pretentious talk nowadays about, like, this doesn't seem real, or this character wouldn't do that, or whatever. It's like, well, if they did do that, it wouldn't be very entertaining, would it you know i mean the and people need to realize that movie characters are can be stupid they're not as stupid as real people (laughs) like i see real people be far (laughs) stupider yeah exactly and i'm not trying to like be mean or anything but at a certain point it's like well he wouldn't do that but he did yes the the, (laughs) the shark my understanding of and it's a loose understanding but Mm -hmm. the shark at the end of book he doesn't explode he like drowns or he gets like tied up in the barrels or something like that and basically suffocates yeah he dies a slow death i'm pretty sure a slow and boring sort of anticlimactic death and it was spielberg who said like no no we we, this got to be explosive (laughs) you know people want to see the shark die in the absolute worst way yeah possible most you know impactful way possible and you know he nails it so and it's interesting because Spielberg made a movie for audiences and not for fans. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, nowadays, a lot of filmmakers are making movies for fans, and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes a general audience gets lost. And Spielberg... Now, this was a time where you could be like, fuck the fans. Well, I mean, it was but a time I'm gonna where... But I change they're... the ending. <laughs> I mean, there weren't fans back then now they're now the that's the, now true. the majority not fans of, like today the majority of the box office is dedicated to franchises that have fan bases and have expectations of what they're seeing back in the 70s it's just like it's like oh look a movie with a shark in it let's let's but, go see that that'll be fun but it's important to remember that jaws was like as a novel was a bestseller so it did have a fan base yeah and they did the that's true it what's was normal today and it, but not normal at the time, the whole like talk show circuit. Yeah. It was a bestseller. It was it was hot in the media and it had only been published like a few years beforehand, so it right. was still kind of on everybody's mind. So I, I could see that. There's a fan base. It wouldn't be like the Star Wars or the Marvel fan base. Book clubs. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, he, were... he neglected the book clubs. 
when he, when he <laughs> that's a good way to made, put it when he made Jaws bastard <laughs> but like it ended up being one of the greatest movies of all time and um and it's funny that you just did Jurassic Park cause yeah it's another movie that critically underappreciated at the Academy Awards right and had yeah. a very similar result at the Academy Jurassic Park was nominated for what it was nominated for three awards, but won all three. Yeah, and Jaws was four, I think, and it won three out of four. I think, yeah. I think it won for sound, editing, and score. Yeah. And it didn't win Best Picture. Right. And it was snubbed in a lot of categories, <laughs> I would say. Like, I think adapted screenplay. I think director. I think supporting actor. I mean, you know... War for Quint, yeah. Well, the... The USS Indianapolis speech, I feel like, is one of the most iconic monologues of all time. It really is. <laughs> and that yeah. guy was one of the best actors alive at that point. Like he was just rolling. So I, I find it kind of surprising. Maybe the Academy was not a fan of him. I know he was kind of a prickly person, maybe in certain respects. But I don't know. I, I always thought that that character and that performance were a little underappreciated. Well, I. Th- I think who's even more underappreciated because I think nowadays people give Shaw's performance as Quint, as Quint the respect it deserves. Right. And rightfully so. But I really think Roy Scheider's performance as Brody. Yeah. He is one of the greatest movie heroes of any movie. I think, yeah, I think it's fantastic. And again, like I've said, I love that the movie takes all that time at the beginning to really flesh him out as yeah. a character so that by the time they get on the water and he basically just looks like a wimp for the rest of the movie because he's on a <laughs> boat and he's paralyzed and he has no idea what he's doing the entire time but at least at that point you kind of understand it and you get what his motives are and so many horror films suffer from just being boring and people just kind of want you to get to the good parts like where the shark's back stuff like that but right. if you really watch that movie from beginning to end scene after scene is it's all compelling it's all fun. I mean, the the sequence where Hooper shows up with the, the two bottles of wine or something and starts eating their food, and it's just really just calm. And uh, and he's, he's like, yeah. I brought both. I didn't know what to bring, so I brought, I brought both, uh, red and white. Yeah. And they're, like, tripping over each other talking. So yeah, I think which you're, is in, a, the, you're I, in sharks, right? <laughs> you're in sharks, yeah, which I didn't realize that until recently that that was a, a very well-done one-shot or one-take. Not one take, but one shot. Where yeah. he, he walks in with the two bottles of wine. There's the gag about the two bottles. He takes the steals their dinner, starts munching on it, and then there's the joke about you're in sharks. And then he tells this whole story about shark bit into his boat and he sank and stuff like that. And like the reason why he loves and appreciates sharks. It's all done in one uh, thing, which yeah. seems kind of unnecessary, but it's it's a cool little piece of trivia. And it, I do think there's a practical reason for it, too. Because mm-hmm. Spielberg knows he just has this innate talent for letting the scene play out. Yeah. And he's not afraid to let the actors do their thing and kind of just guide the camera mm-hmm. to where the actors are doing their performance and just let it play out. Like, I think he's a very collaborative filmmaker and... There's a reason why everyone wants to work with him and why he collaborates very often with superstars like Tom, both Hanks and Cruz, you the, know. The kid who played George. <laughs> I didn't look up that kid. Let me look up him. Let me see. Well, that kid's like, what, three years old? He's like a literal toddler. But speaking of toddlers, off tangent real quick. I just went into IMDb and typed George. <laughs> that was not smart. Tangent, the, yes. Let's let's tangent. The kid in Close Encounters is really good. <laughs> He's like the best kid actor. You mean the kid who says toys? Yeah. Toys. Did yeah. I do it right? You did. You did. <laughs> and then at the end, you say, "Bye bye." Bye bye. He is the cutest kid. <laughs> I love Close Encounters, man. I I do love it. I haven't seen it though since you and I watched it. We saw it on the big screen. Yeah, they did a 40th anniversary mm-hmm. showing in 2017, and it was, like, one of my favorite movies to see on the big screen. But Jaws... Not George. Sean Brody. Sean. Sean Brody. Okay. Played by Jay Mello. He was in one movie. Was it Jaws? 
It was Jaws. Nice. <laughs> he was born in 1968, so he was... That doesn't make any sense. Born in 1968, they filmed in 74, so he was like six? Kids seem younger than six. Yeah, I thought he was a legit toddler. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's a different kid. He's only got two kids, right? Well, Michael is the older one. Oh, Craig Kingsbury. Ben Gardner. Ben Gardner. I do That's think, Ben Gardner's boat. That character cracks me up. I love how he's just the prototypical Quint. Why, Beck? Yeah. <laughs> and they, like, you know, they even dabbled, you know, potentially with the concept of, like, if all else failed, they were just going to have this guy play Quint. But they end up getting this, like, Shakespearean playwright. This, you know, A generational this, talent. A man for all seasons <laughs> actor to play Quint. Let's see, Craig Kingsbury. Let's look him up. He was also in one movie. Well, Josh had a, like, they just hired a lot of locals. Well, they, yeah, they production. hired the, yeah, the, a what? Yeah, I mean, the, a what? Yeah, I the, love the, it. The townspeople. <laughs> this is, this is slightly yeah. related, because I, I was gonna lead into it, but what's your favorite line? Do you have a favorite line? I really want to say something, like, well, iconic, but you, for me, you can, there's two. Okay. A what? Yeah, that's. Is up there. Like, that, I think that one's my favorite one. Because I say it all, like, a lot, but one, one I always think of, I don't think I ever say it, because why would I ever say this in normal conversation? But I think my other favorite line would be, I'm the chief of police, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, yeah. I, I, that's probably the, the line that I quote the most. It's a very empowering thing. <laughs> and I also, I mean, you watch it as a kid, and you don't, you don't pick up on the fact that he's hammered, because he just pours... Yeah. You know, a mega pint glug, glug, of, glug, glug, of wine. Glug, 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 right? glug. That's literally what a mega pint of wine yeah. looks like. But my, I actually had this written down because I was going to... Ben Gardner's like only line in the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's on the boat. He's on the, he's I, on I the boat. I can't recite it. He's on the boat and it's completely improvised. It's not written down. They just got this random fat fisherman guy out there. And I don't know if Spielberg just said, like, say something fisherman-y yeah. or something like that and just let him go and then said action. And then he says, where do we get them silly bastards down in that rock pile? They're beach of fun. They wish their fathers hadn't met their mothers when they start digging the bottoms out and slamming into them rocks, boy. <laughs> That's how he says it. I mean, the, the actual text is, where do we get them silly bastards down in that rock pile? There'll be some fun. They'll wish their fathers hadn't met their mothers when they start digging the bottoms out and slamming into them rocks, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. It's like it. It fits. They're, it fits perfectly. They're fine gonna be feeling sorry because he's on a boat and you can barely hear him. He's basically yeah. just talking fucking gibberish. But you know. <laughs> you know when I watched it recently, I put on the subtitles because that. I was like, I've always wanted to know what he's saying. Yeah. And it's that. And it makes no sense. <laughs> it's funny. And they left it in the movie, which I think is brilliant. Well, it it adds character to the town, which adds character to the film. Yeah. The town feels like a real place. And I think as an audience, we can naturally empath empathize with Brody because he's awesome. We like Quint. We like Cooper. Yeah. But you actually fear for the town's safety, and you get mad at the mayor watching this movie. Yeah, it's kind of like when the Batman, the latest Batman, came yeah. out, and Matt Reeves said that he wanted the city of Gotham to be a character of its own, right? I mean, Amity in and of itself is kind of a character. You know, and yeah. Part of it is just the brilliance with the improv, you know, and like I said before, the background conversations and stuff like that, you know, they're at the... <laughs> I love the town meeting. The town meeting's great. The, My favorite, know. like, one-off line is, I think and I we're going to be... Uh, I know what you're about to say. We're going to be closing the beach, uh, I think, for, what, 24 or 48 hours? <laughs> and he's like, 48 hours is three weeks! <laughs> Only 24 hours. 24, I'm sorry. Only 24 hours. 24 hours is like three weeks! <laughs> I love that part so much. I don't know if they just, like, said, like, okay, everybody start going rabble, 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 and some random person in the back just decided to say that. I'm, the, I'm and, about to be immortalized. And it just it cuts <laughs> all over everything, and they're like, okay, that's perfect. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, 
it's the perfect foil to Brody's character at the beginning, just dealing with all these idiots that just want to go to the beach, you know, and right. stuff like that. I also pretty much love every single thing that Murray Hamilton says says in that movie. <laughs> he's great. He is. I think he's one of the best antagonists I, in any film. Yeah. I, I don't want to call him a villain because I don't think he's a villain. I mean, okay, people died because of him. He's not a great dude, but I really do think he's thinking. I don't think it's that bad. But if I start a panic, we're going to suffer economically, and now my people won't be able to. Yeah, I mean, he's just the perfect, like, I see where sli- he's coming. Slimy from. politician that has his yeah. motives and everything, and it just it conflicts with the concept that there's a shark out there that's eating people, right? Which is which is a man-made concept, obviously, because that's not what sharks do. Right. Um, you yell barracuda. Everybody's like, what? Huh? You yell shark. You got a panic on your hands on the 4th of July. I just love the way he said, the 4th of July. 4th of July. He's got a <laughs> he's got a perfect radio voice. He does, yeah. You know, that's that's what it is. He's, what what else? He was in, uh... He was in Jaws 2. He was in Jaws 2. He was, he was in The Graduate. Oh, I haven't not seen that movie since college. I don't... He's He plays Mr. Robinson in... Graduate, I, I just because that's uh, Dustin Hoffman, yeah, and that's uh, are you seducing me, Mrs. Robinson? That's yeah. that movie, yeah, yeah and then yeah. the wedding is the ending. I don't really remember it, the, I, I, I've not seen that movie in years. It ends at a wedding, or like, or she yeah, leaves it, her wedding, it ends at their driving wedding, away. yeah, they they run away from, yeah, the wedding essentially. She's a runaway, I don't know. All I know is it, it ends with. Well, it ends with the song, right? Simon, yeah. Simon and Garfunkel? I think, yeah. yeah. I need to rewatch that movie. It's a good movie. I need to rewatch it. We just offended another book club. <laughs> Was The Graduate based on a book? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, now we're uh, digging a hole too deep. Yeah. We're, we're just insulting anybody with the encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> The Graduate. So Our, I, I apologize. With Wikipedia open. <laughs> yeah, right. On the 4th of July. 4th of July. But no, I think he's great in the movie. Back to like funny local one-liners. One that is stuck in my head a lot of times is again at the town meeting. That's one of my favorite scenes in any movie. I think it's like any questions. Now is that is that check for the or is a reward for the Kittner boy going to come in a cash or a check or something or that tends right? And the one lady just like I didn't find that funny at all. I don't think that's funny. I don't think that's funny at all. That's it, it. That's it. And he says that later. Like, Brody says that later in the movie, too. He says the exact same line about something else. I'm trying to remember what it is, but... Yeah, no, it, all the background conversations are fun. All the bit <laughs> characters. I had another line written down here that always sticks out. It's when he first shows up at the mm-hmm. office and his assistant or whatever is Oh, the just, old lady? Yeah, it's just listing out <laughs> all the great. problems and stuff like that. And she's like... The nine-year-olds from the school have been karateing the picket fences. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> and then as he's walking through the town later, there's this old guy holding up a couple pieces of wood and pointing the fence. Like, ah, oh, the kids have been karateing. Like, <laughs> is that the same old guy who's at the beach who just comes out to Brody for no reason? He oh, just does this unprovoked. Just starts giving him shit. Yeah. yeah. I, we hear you don't like the water. Or something, and bro, that's some bad hat, that's, Harry. That's some bad hat, Harry. I, five-year-old me did not know what that meant, but five-year-old me was like, "Damn!" <laughs> 27-year-old me does not know what that means. No, no, it's it's a really bad comeback, but it works. He's like, "All right, I'm I'm done." Yeah, he storms off. But you know, it all contributes to this. Like I said, the sixty percent of the movie is just all the bullshit that he's got to deal with as the new chief of police and trying to watch the kids swimming or stuff like that, watch for sharks, and the guy gets up in his face like, I got a couple things for you to do around the house or this or whatever, and the (laughs) other guy starts giving him shit. He has a really rough time with the townspeople, but like I said, a lot of horror films suffer from that because they all try to do the exact same thing where they create characters that you empathize with and that you trust, so it can't, the entire movie can't be jump scares and you know, monsters lurking around the corner. You have to have characters. and But it's tough to do that because that's not why people come to see a movie like Jaws. They want right. to see a shark. They want to see that spectacle and that adventure, yeah. So, to me, like I said, that's that's one of the things that makes it 
timeless is the majority of that movie is all on land. You don't hear the majority of Quint's dialogue until you're already well over halfway through the movie. Right. And by the end, you've like completely forgotten about the beginning of the movie because it feels like a completely different... You've just gone from political squabbles to a guy just got bitten in half and they're swimming to shore so they don't drown. But Okay, back to the whole Jaws horror or not debate. Okay, my favorite. <laughs> Quint's death is evidence alone that this is a horror movie. Yeah. Just that one scene... <laughs> well, yeah, and to me, that's... It's so terrifying, but gnarly and cool. It's so fun. And I, th what I love is that it's, you know, it, it's such a good movie, but yeah. on paper, it's ridiculous and over the top. Like, that's, that's the most improbable way for a person to die ever, for a shark to jump onto a boat and eat a person. Like, that doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't happen, but it's cool. It's and cinema. It's cinema. <laughs> yeah. That was, I mean, maybe that was why it was my first traumatic or horror-like experience. Like, the movie has jump scares and things like that that, yeah. that get you, but my first experience with that scene was, okay, I'm too young to watch this particular part where a guy's getting bitten in half, close your eyes. But all I hear in the background is this horrible scream. <laughs> like, like, okay. <laughs> what I'm curious about is, I, I thought about this recently, I don't mm -hmm. think I really even have a point around this, but I feel like in most horror movies, when you're going up against, like, a big bad creature or something like that, it always seems like it's a female. Like, Jurassic Park, the T-Rex the okay. is a female. The Xenomorph is the, a... Is especially a, the queen. Yeah, yeah, is a female, right? But the shark in Jaws, there's no point... It, it, where they ever, like, look to see whether or not he's a male or female. Just from the get-go, from beginning to end, it's he. Yeah. Like I said, I well, don't really have a Even in Jurassic point. Park, they call the T-Rex a he. Even though, like, they exp like yeah. in the movie, like, Dr. Alan Grant, the mm -hmm. smartest person on that island, like, the dinosaur man, mm -hmm. who was told multiple times all the dinosaurs on that park is female, don't move. He can't see you if you don't move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's more of certain animals, for whatever reason, I, I'm not trying to get into uh, gender identity and politics yet, that's yeah. more for, like, Jennifer's Body or Freaky, a movie like that, that wasn't expecting to go this route in Jaws, mm -hmm. but um, it should be said that, for whatever reason, certain animals have a masculine presence and certain animals have a female presence. T-Rex has a masculine energy. I don't know why. Rexy's a girl. Well, I looked it up on, you know, because I was thinking about it and I looked it up. How can you tell whether or not a shark is male or female? And there was mm -hmm. something about like certain fins or certain edges on the fins. I don't know if they got that deep or technical with this movie. I doubt it. Right. They probably um, didn't know at the time. But they also said that female sharks tend to be larger. Which, so Bruce might be a girl. So it kind of lends to the fact that it's a female shark because it's a it's a big one. I think the one in Jaws 3D <clears throat> is confirmed to be a female because she has a baby. You know, I've never seen The Revenge. Cool. I, I said Jaws 3D. Yeah. I've never seen that one either. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I equate them. I equate them as movies that I should probably never watch. It's kind of like don't read the book. Okay. You know? Although you I seen... imagine the book's a lot better than Jaws 3D and Jaws the Revenge. Have you seen Jaws 2? Yes. Long time ago I saw it. I don't remember anything about it. I have not seen it in years, but I like it. Mm -hmm. um, I found out recently Arnie from Christine is in Jaws 2. I don't remember that at all, but I'm like, that's mm. cool. I yeah. love Christine. I know you love Christine. Everybody loves Christine. It's so good. I remember the shark, like, attacking a helicopter and, like, chasing the, the water skier. It, it, it's just a... I guess if I was alive at that time, I probably would have gone to see Jaws 2, but I would have thought just, why? You know, what everybody thinks when they think, oh, there's a Jaws 2. Why is there a Jaws 2? It's not necessary. <laughs> but it's all about money, obviously, so you can understand why they made more. But you can also understand why Roy Scheider isn't in it. Like, he only did two, and he didn't even <clears throat> want to be there for two. Is his character referenced in 2? Or is... No, he's in 2. Oh, he is in 2? Yeah. Oh, wow. 2 is the only one he did. Wow, and I really don't remember He only did... 
he, I guess he needed the money. He did, he did not want to be there. He is in it. Oh my god. Apparently he got in a fist fight with the director about <clears throat> something. Oh. It was not a happy landing. That's why they killed him off. Yeah. John Williams did the score for two, but Spielberg just finishing uh, Close Encounters and was probably off to do 1941, so Spielberg right. is not doing it. <laughs> I think, um, what's the mayor's name again? Murray? Murray Hamilton. Murray Hamilton. Yeah, Murray. You. Yeah, Murray Hamilton. He's in, in it. it. Yep. I remember him. I think Lorraine Lorraine Gary is back. Well, she did multiple sequels. Right? She did two and Revenge. Yeah, Revenge. Yeah. Three has Leah Thompson from Back to the Future, and I think Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. I'm on IMDb looking it up yeah. right now. Mike Brody. He plays Mike Brody. Is yeah, he like plays his, the his... older son. Oh, it's... oh yeah, Mike. Okay. And Michael Caine is in The Revenge. Michael Caine. He won an Oscar and couldn't be there to accept his award. <laughs> his crowning achievement in the industry. Because mm -hmm. he's shooting what's regarded as one of the worst films ever made. Yep. I mean, it's... I think he's he's denounced it enough to be forgiven. And he's been in a lot of great movies since. So it's like... Well, and he won. He won for Cider House Rules, so he, yeah. got, he got to go accept an Oscar later. I just want to talk about for a second how Jaws <clears throat> has the ex distinction of being maybe the only franchise. Pretty much everyone can agree Jaws is one of the greatest films ever made. Mm -hmm. And Jaws Revenge is one of the worst movies ever made. And I don't think there's any other franchise that are such polar opposites. Well, it's a good question. Like, I don't even think the Psycho movies get as bad as Jaws 3D or The Revenge. Really? I really don't. Because Psycho those, those, is as those great get, as Jaws. Those get pretty bad. <laughs> that's how bad... Th like, there's a whole two levels of badness. I think that's... Oh, yeah. Maybe it is singular in, in that regard. I can't think of anything comparable i immediately thought of jurassic park ran that into the ground but even then twice. i think like dominion is not as bad as everyone says and three is as bad as everyone says but three is not jaws 3d bad sure let alone jaws revenge bad mm -hmm. you're just encouraging me to watch jaws the revenge i'm surprised i've never seen it i love watching <laughs> be very drunk movies. that won't be a problem i really don't think it like I'm thinking of Halloween. I don't think Halloween reaches the heights of the original Jaws. And I know for sure none of the Halloween movies get that bad. No, but now you're talking about but, slasher films, right? There's. I'm just thinking of franchises. There's, there's, there's a certain low with slasher genre, or slasher films. They Maybe all, the DC? They, they all hit that. DC, well... But DC's weird because it's like, different franchises. That's the thing; it's, it's different franchises within the larger DC. Because if it's a larger DC, then I would say the Dark Knight is on Jaws level, and um, Batman vs Superman is on Jaws 3D level. Ouch! Poor Zack Snyder. He made good movies. 300's a good movie. Um, he did. He Watchmen's a good movie. I, I don't feel bad for Zack Snyder. I he like, can have one bad movie. <laughs> I like him as a director. I just don't think he was the right person for for this. I think a lot of things went wrong. <laughs> and I also think that they went wrong by starting with Superman. Yeah. You can't you can't start with Superman. You got to start with Batman. But we're not here to talk about that. Right. This is a horror podcast. So, Joker... Get, no, get your shit together. <laughs> You're leading us down the path of DC. I'll talk for hours about DC, but... Well, now I have to start a DC podcast. Well, what else is there to talk about for Jaws? You could talk about Jaws forever. That's true. There's so many different... But what I want to know is... You, Jaws has been with you since... How old were you? Five or six, I'm uh, Yeah, maybe. Maybe, what, maybe. maybe even like seven or eight okay did you ever explore past the first two move you didn't read the book but there were like video games there's the ride or there was a ride <laughs> i know you have this really cool jaws toy i have which i want i have a model of yeah i have a model of the shark leaping on the ship and eating quint and I'd like the Funko Pop version of that. <laughs> I got that as a kid, and I, I know eBay's, eBay's still a thing, but I haven't touched eBay in such a long time. But this was like 
you know, I got into a bidding war as a kid, <laughs> you know, for this thing, and I won a bidding war, and it was like my crowning achievement that I got this thing. <laughs> I've had it for years. I took really poor care of it. It's got dust all over it, but but yeah, it's, it's sitting prominently uh, in my basement, and it's kind of a spoiler, but I don't know. Okay, people need to see Jaws. Yeah, pe- people should see Jaws. It, I didn't do a spoiler warning beforehand like I usually do, but this isn't Scream. You know the shark's gonna eat people. That's why you're here. Yeah. yeah. Like, and you should have seen Jaws already. So, spoiler warning. Where do they get them silly bastards down in that rock pile? It'll be some fun. They wish their fathers hadn't met their mothers when they start digging the bottoms out and slamming into them rocks, boy. <laughs> Just blew your mind. I love that. I love how you can... Uh, speaking of monologues, iconic monologues, back to Quint's Indianapolis yeah. 500. <clears throat> a parallel between this and Halloween, which I think there are a lot of similarities between the two films. Can I just... Go ahead. Can I just linger on how badly you butchered the name of that? You said the Indianapolis 500. Oh, like, no, I said... Like the Indy 500. Yeah. NASCAR. <laughs> The, U- the, U- the USS. USS right? Indianapolis. USS Indianapolis. The Indianapolis. God. Indianapolis. I'm only two beers in, guys. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not even drunk. I'm a little tipsy. But I, sober me would have said the same thing. Cause I'm, yeah, that's true. I'm keeping this in there, by the way. Yeah, yeah I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. That would be a I could easily just, evidence. I, would e- I could easily tamper the evidence and no one would have to know, but your boy has honor <laughs> in podcasting. Jeez, there goes my horror expert label. It's, uh, my self-given horror, self-giveth, self-taketh away. I already claimed to be a Jaws fan and had no idea that Roy Scheider was in Jaws <laughs> 2, which I have seen. So We're doing great. I've lost my man card as well. We're doing so good. But, um, yeah, the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, the USS Indianapolis, um, Quince, like... That whole speech. What I love about that speech is it was rewritten so many times because it was, I think it was, I don't think Peter eventually wrote, it was either Carl Gottlieb or whoever who wrote the initial draft. Mm -hmm. It got passed on to a different writer. John Milius, right? I think it was John Milius. Spielberg might have taken a pass at it or something like that, but multiple people had seen it before it got to Robert Shaw. And when Robert Shaw saw it, he said that it had too much John Houston in it or something like mm-hmm. that. Basically saying, like, this is a great speech, but that's not this character. This character yeah. wouldn't say it word for word like that. So the final version of that speech is the version that Robert Shaw rewrote after multiple people wrote it. And Robert Shaw was an accomplished playwright as right. well as an actor. So that speech is really kind of his, you know, like his final product that he perfected and he nails it. And like, I think that's like a monologue that a lot of actors do for their demos and for yeah. training. Like that is a <clears throat> immortal monologue. Yeah, it's tough to, you know, in a horror movie f- filled with graphic imagery and at this point you've already seen the shark so you're already kind of right in it. But to have him describe what it's like to encounter a shark, it's terrifying, you know, and he really kind of slows the pace down. And that's that's the other thing about Jaws that I like, is that I really think it's a movie that takes its time. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's very, the dialogue is very meticulous, and it's not like, you know, there's an oh shit moment and it's just full speed ahead from there. There's moments of dialogue and conversation and that speech is right in the middle of all the action. They've already seen the shark, they've dealt with the barrels, and, but they really slowed down to flesh out this character because you've already kind of gotten a taste for Hooper and Brody, and this is this character's moment to shine and express his motives. And it comes after one of the most fun sequences in the movie, mm-hmm. which is Hooper and Quint comparing battle scars. Mm-hmm. Their old wounds from yeah. sharks, drink and them kind of uh, yeah, we'll drink to our legs. Drink to our legs. Uh, but they're kind of like one of the many brilliance, mo- like just 
character aspects of Jaws is Hooper is a rich, preppy college kid. Yep. Well, he's not a college kid, but he's, you know, educated. Rich he's family, rich, right? rich family, yeah. yeah. Hooper is... No, I'm sorry. Quint is working man, callous on my fingers, yeah. dreams of a color TV. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And they're coming together from completely different backgrounds over their mutual admiration yeah. of sharks. And I think, like I say, it's a movie that takes its time and by by the time you hit the climax of the film you really understand all three of these characters and their different motives and backgrounds and perspectives they're all trying to do the exact same thing but you kind of get a taste for why they clash a little bit and right. why their why their styles are different um, one little moment i love is during that whole quint and hooper are essentially comparing dicks yeah there's a shot of brody literally looking at his own <laughs> dick <laughs> Where he's like, fuck, am I a man? <laughs> These are men. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how it's this yeah, this humbling experience for for him. <laughs> Even though Hooper's like this little twerp or something like that, but he's got but he's still got all well, these. He's got scars battle scars, yeah. man. Yeah. My point with comparing Jaws to Halloween Yes, sorry. Oh uh, no, you're good. Is the speech that Quint says has a line and you would probably remember it better than I do, where he's like the blackest, the blackest eyes, like a doll's yeah, eye, yeah. black eyes, like a doll's eye. And Halloween, when Donald Pleasance is doing his Michael Myers speech, mm -hmm. he's just like, the blackest eyes, the yep. devil's eyes. And it's essentially the same thing. Well, that's, that's what a lot of horror and monsters kind of come down to, is yeah. the eyes, right? That's, that's how you nail monster, right? It's Dracula, right. it's malevolence, and evil with Frankenstein it's monster it's lifeless the wolf man it's an animal so it's primal yeah you know it, it's very different but something like Jaws it's supposed to be this mindless killing machine right so it's and it, think, there's parallels between yeah. all of them you know whether it's Jaws right. or Jason or Michael it's, yeah it's the lack of corneas or, or pupils or whatever that that human aspect that's taken away that really makes them these mindless killing machines and what's well, interesting the xenomorph from alien obviously doesn't have eyes which makes it even scarier. it's it's the next step it's like right. i can't look into this thing's eyes and appeal to its you know its humanity because there is no humanity there it's it's just nothing and i think well that's brilliantly stated and i think um to your point, Jaws directly influenced both Halloween and Alien, because mm -hmm. they all, Halloween and Alien really follow a setup that Jaws kind of, <clears throat> are the precedent that Jaws set, Yeah, and I th think you can see it in the way Halloween is structured. Mm -hmm. It's, the first half is really just to establish tone and follow Laurie. And get to know Laurie and the other babysitters and the kids. Mm -hmm. Haddonfield becomes like an Amity Island. Sure, yeah. But Michael Myers, I think, is the next step from Jaws. And from Michael Myers, we get the xenomorph in terms of characterization. Mm -hmm. And you said it better, but I'm going to say it again because it's my podcast. Go for it. Jaws, black eyes, to Michael Myers, black eyes, to alien, no eyes. <laughs> Conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> I know this is a conspiracy theory podcast. Well, you're just digging deep. You're pulling up the truth. I'm like I'm like that guy in Godzilla vs Kong. <laughs> we are not talking about Godzilla vs Kong on the Jaws podcast. Because Godzilla vs Kong has this great oh moment God. where Godzilla directly references Jaws. <laughs> Does it? Actually, yeah. Um, there's a part where they're taking. King Kong on an aircraft carrier to wherever. Oh, and okay. when Godzilla's coming, you see his fins, the like fins. the shark fins, but he gets caught on an aircraft carrier <laughs> and he pulls the aircraft carrier like it's one of the Jaws barrels. I do think it's, <laughs> I think it's funny that it spawned this incredibly hit or miss genre of shark movies. Yes. Because yeah, it really, you know, it's 
it's the godfather the granddaddy and some would argue that it's like the only good one like or great one I mean, no i would argue it's the only great one you know there's, there are a bunch i like there's a lot of really there are good movies that capture the the campiness of it like, i think deep blue sea is a good one deep blue sea i mean that's Super the, camp. The shark literally yeah. jumps out, gets Samuel Jackson. It's the same concept as a when shark. When he's doing jumping. his, uh, this is our Independence Day speech, too. <laughs> I don't remember the actual speech, but that's like one of the best shock yeah. moments. No, I, I do think that's well executed. And then uh, movies like Open Water mm-hmm. do a good job capturing the fear of it, you know. And yeah. I think what Spielberg said, I mean, the cinematography with Jaws, I think that's also criminally overlooked you know because it's it's difficult to film on the water obviously yeah. you know they had difficulties filming on set but the base function of filming something on a platform that's constantly moving throughout the day when things shift and things right. move right and you're trying to get the weather right things like that but the he mentioned something about he wanted the camera to be for the majority of the film to be right at the water level right not yeah. this elevated shot or something underwater because it, he wanted to capture the human experience of it. When we're in the water, our perspective of it is the water's right at our nose and it's kind of you know, from there. So like all those shots, uh, like on the beach and stuff like that, where you're like really, you're underneath right at the torso level of all these people moving through. That's it's brilliant because it's the you're used to being in the water, but you're not used to being in the water when there's a shark underneath. So that camera angle puts you in the ocean, so to speak. There's also a flaw Uh-oh. in that in that sequence, which is really funny. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or seen this, but in the the second beach scene, the you know, the one where <laughs> where Murray Hamilton's walking, it's like, Why aren't you in the water? Yeah. He's like, I just applied sunblock. You know, I'm trying to absorb it's like, get in the water drags his kids. That family there's two shots, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm kind of broken in putting this together. But So that scene starts with there's the fake shark, right? There's the two kids with the yeah. two fins or whatever, the, the fake scare or whatever. And then the real shark shows up, which... It's like that one uh, girl, like, shark! Yeah. I'm um, heading in the pond! And Brody's like, what the fuck now? He doesn't say that, but it's... Yeah. It's the tone. <laughs> oh, you know what? Hold on. No, I'm getting it mixed up. This happens. This happens during the fake shark part. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, the, the fake the, shark. The yeah. flaw that I'm referring to happens during the fake shark part, where it's a shot of a girl and she goes like, "Oh my god," or whatever, and she like yeah. turns around and like runs into the family behind her, which I believe that's the family that Murray Hamilton tells mm-hmm. to go into the ocean. The immediate next shot is a very similar shot, and it's a different guy looking at the sh- you know seeing the shark and he's having a similar reaction and he turns around and runs into a family right behind him it's the exact same family if i i think i'm following i could be wrong but i think i'm following i did Isn't a really the girl bad just job she runs into the family and then like she runs into the family and then the goes around and then the guy like like she just kind of bumps into the family the guy like pulverizes the family because um, the kids are like on a little raft or something, and he like takes the raft from them and knocks the kids in the water. Yeah, but it's literally like the family's in the exact same position. Yeah. And the next shot is like in one shot it's a girl in front of them, and the next shot it's a guy. You know, it's they're trying to capture the same reaction where people are just like cluttered and stuff like right. that, but the obstacle in both shots is the same family i just love how the guy's like 1000 percent more dramatic yeah because he just like runs into them yeah. and keeps going the guy legit like knocks the kids off the raft and steals it for himself mm-hmm. which i <laughs> but one thing that's brilliant about yeah. that whole and like a like the old guy gets trampled right i think he does yeah bad hat harry i think yeah i think he does yeah. there's one i don't know if it's bad hat harry but earlier when Brody's looking into the ocean and he's, you know, he sees, like, something coming up behind some girl and it ends up being, I don't know if it's Harry, but it's some guy in, like, a, mm-hmm. a swim hat. He comes up and he, like, shakes his head. I think I, it's bad hat because he has, I think he's the only one with, like, that black. Yeah. But he's looking right into the camera when he shakes his head, almost like he's telling us, like, nope, I'm not a shark. <laughs> but what's brilliant about that whole sequence is, you know, the, there's no music. Like, yeah. when, when the fake shark 
comes up, right? You don't hear the Jaws theme until the real shark shows up. You know, it's such an important part about having a good score is the placement, like where you place the right. music. And John Williams is like, I, I don't want my score to represent a red herring. In right. Any sense. When you hear the ba-dum, it's, it's the shark that's, yeah. that's cluing you in. But then there's parts later in the film where there's no music and the shark comes out of nowhere. But like, that still works by the rules. But the, shark, it, the music never appears when the shark doesn't. Mm-hmm. But the shark's not... The music's tied to the shark, but the shark's not tied to the yeah. music. But at that stage in the movie, people are expecting... Music, yeah. They're waiting to hear the music because that's when they know that something's about to happen. But And then you get one of the best jump scares in cinema. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need... Yeah. That Which, is an iconic It is. Moment. And... It, it's a it's hilarious how what's the what's the term for something that's uh like the Berenstein Bears or Bernstein Bears or something like that. Oh, like the Mandela effect. The Mandela effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's not you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or it's or it's not we're gonna need a bigger boat. It's, it's you, your it's you're gonna yeah. need a bigger boat. I said but it right. It, you said it right. Okay. <laughs> but everybody says we're gonna need a bigger boat. Right. But no, he's talking to Quint. Yeah. He's like, Quint, you're gonna need a bigger boat. Mm-hmm. You and I have seen the movies enough time where I'm like, no, this isn't Luke, I am your father, as opposed to no, I am your father. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, okay, but no, I, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. But speaking of needing bigger boats, it's time for the titular question of the podcast. There's a titular question of this podcast? There is. Okay. Welcome to the format. <laughs> Does every podcast that you do have a titular question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, actually, I forget sometimes. <laughs> okay. But, um... You're a real professional. Oh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> you find yourself on Amity Island. Okay. And you encounter good old Bruce, the shark. You yell barracuda. <laughs> Sorry. Would you die? Oh! Titular question. That makes sense. Oh, you thought I meant titties. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, the... There's... My mom's listening to this. Say hi to my mom, Doug. I, yeah, I apologize. My, my grandmother might end up listening to this. <laughs> but there is a part in the... It's one of the, It's like... It's like when they put the... Where there's like a subtle like shot of like a penis or something in old Disney movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but in the opening sequence when... Not opening sequence, but when Christy gets killed, right? Yeah. The girl out at sea. She's got... She's been bit or whatever. She's being dragged back and forth. Like, oh my God, she's screaming. And for whatever reason, they cut back to the dude in the middle of it on the beach laying down. And he's saying, I'm coming. I'm coming. (laughs) And then they cut back to her and she's screaming. (laughs) I mean, that's what he... That was the original point of going out there. That's... Well, I know. It was consensual. It was was, what... Yeah. It's not what he's trying to say, obviously. But it's, it's like this subtle... It's like, oh yeah, here we go. This is what I came to see. Death. Alright, so the He's qu- a surrogate for the horror fans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for me, in yeah. that moment. the t- Would I die? If you encountered the shark from Jaws. Now, this um, could go a variety of ways. <laughs> but let um, to well, c- help you narrow it down, let's say you're on a boat. On a boat. Okay, wow. I, I don't see how I wouldn't die, because they mm. established that the shark can jump. Right. So the concept of having a boat is kind of, it's kind of nothing. Yeah. Um, he eats boats and then he eats people, and he eats lights. That's a line in the movie too. He ate the light. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, of course I would die. I'm trying to think of a creative way in which I wouldn't die, but, I mean, unless there aren't any oxygen tanks lying around, and I'm not a marksman. Well, you I, to survive the shark from Jaws. You have to be lucky or clever. Okay, you've thought this through, so give me give me your perspective. So, in terms of luck, I'm thinking of the two fishermen who, like, take their wife's ham yes. to try and get the reward. And the dude's lucky. Yeah. The dude is lucky that the shark, like, decides, nah, I ain't gonna eat this motherfucker. Yeah. And that is a great scene where, like, the dock is floating out to sea, but then it turns around. Yeah. And starts coming back. Like, that is great yeah, stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's brilliant. But that dude's not clever. <laughs> he is lucky. No, he's not clever. I mean, my 
understanding, well, this might be a disproven theory, but mm-hmm. sharks, the idea is if a shark attacks you, a good tactic is to punch him in the nose. Because right. shark, sharks have such terrible eyesight that if you punch it in the nose, they're stupid, and they'll be like, oh, I just ran into a wall, or I'll right. come back, um, or I'll turn back. So that's what I would do, but this isn't, this is not a real shark. So right. <laughs> there's no, like, scientific way that you would beat this shark. And I think, like, Hooper's clever, but he also gets lucky. Yes, he literally just swims away from the shark. Like, yeah. You shouldn't be able to swim away from a shark. but When you, know. you put yourself in a shark cage, which did nothing. <laughs> I will say that I would fare better than Hooper at holding on to shit. Okay, fair. Because he drops everything. As right, soon as he yeah. gets scared, he, he drops the, so the, you might spe- actually the spear and he drops it. stab the shark with the poison. I might actually do some damage, yeah. Right. I um, If I had something with me. Well, the would he die question is hard when it comes to Jaws. Because it's like, where, where are you at? Are you on the beach? Mm-hmm. No, you're on the beach. Are you swimming? Then it's like... If I was... I'd say if, if the I was, shark chooses you, you're gonna die. But there's a bunch of people on that beach. You might live just for the fact that the Jaws chose that Jaws chose me instead of you, and therefore you live. <laughs> I would say that if I was in the ocean in shallow water, yeah. like on a amity type of beach, right, bunch of people in the water, I would totally live because I just grab, I just grab one of the kids <laughs> and just chuck him and then run away, just like. You you would be that one guy we were talking about. Yeah, I'd be like, chum some of that shit, or whatever, (laughs) and that. But if I'm on a boat out in open water with a shark that it's been established that he can eat a boat and dismantle it, and then it's just me, it's like, yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm done. I think everyone has a 50-50 shot. It really just depends on if the the shark chooses you. Yeah. Like, yeah, if he chooses (laughs) you, you're done. That's the idea. Because, because like when you, be look at, when you look at those beach scenes, there are fifty to a hundred people on that beach, mm-hmm. and a kid and a dog die. Yeah, he just picks his yeah. his lunch. So if right. you're chosen, you're dead. But you could get lucky. Well, like I said, if I get chosen, I could be like, well, here, try this one instead. So, and it's I not could, like Michael you know, Myers. I could negotiate. Are, it's not like Michael Myers or Alien, where you will be in a one-on-one scenario mm-hmm. with those monsters. Jaws, you're never going to be in a one-on-one scenario unless you're stupid. <laughs> yes. So. Like the characters in the movie. Are normal people. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. We're, we're all stupid. We all go a little stupid sometimes. <laughs> That's what I got to say about that. But, um, it's been fun. It's That's, been fun. Yeah. R.I.P. to Ben Gardner. Ben, uh. That's they, Ben Gardner's boat. Yeah. They recognize it immediately, and yet nobody cares when all those fishermen show back up on shore and Ben Gardner's not there with them. Right. <laughs> they never acknowledge that the fact that he's gone missing or anything. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is this has been great. This has been fun. We should do a we should do a sequel and talk about Jaws: The Revenge once I've had the opportunity to watch it. We'll see. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Shout out to my friend Doug Lemelin for talking Jaws with me. And thank you guys for listening despite it being outside. Sometimes it's nice to switch things up. But yeah, I probably won't be outside too often. As always, you can find the show social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, we're talking about one of my favorite horror movies of the 2010s that features one of the greatest acting performances I've ever seen. I'm not exaggerating. It, It is. I'm really upset this guy didn't win an Oscar. Until then, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die. <laughs>